The Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hello and welcome to The Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, joining you from the lands of the Lekwungen-speaking peoples, the Songhees and the Esquimalt First Nations, colonially known as Victoria, BC, Canada. Nailed it this time, friends. The last several episodes, I haven't been able to say the word colonially properly. I did it. This is part three of our seven-episode miniseries on planetary magic and propitiation. We began on a Sunday with Eliza Robertson talking about the sun. On Monday, we heard from Bronwyn Simons about moon magic. And today, I'm going to share my own propitiation practice. Okay, now it's propitiation that I'm going to get tripped up on. Anyway, you get the gist. Uh, With the planet Mars, the planet that rules Tuesdays. So right off the hop, I want to say I'm not an astrologer. I'm just a lifelong astrology fan. I got my first chart reading from Canada's longtime astrology sweetheart, Georgia Nichols, back in 1997. She's now a very well-established syndicated columnist, like for decades now. And even before that, I remember when I was 12 years old, I had this book. It was like one of those like girls encyclopedias, you know, where you'd have like different chapters on history. Um, I think there was like a chapter on... um, the suffragettes. There was a chapter on natural sciences. I remember it had this whole thing about tectonic plates. Um, there was then like a chapter on homemade skincare and beauty regimens and how to take care of your hair and nails. And then there's a chapter on like how your body changes in puberty. And then mine had a chapter on astrology. Is that common? I, I don't know. Anyway, So I've known from a young age, like 12 years old, that I'm a Scorpio, which is a fixed sign with Mars as my ruler. And back then, I mean, this was the 80s, so it had um, Pluto as well. I don't know if that's as common these days. Um, I've known since then that Scorpios are considered like intense and penetrating and mysterious. Um, So when it comes to planetary magic and propitiation, when we think of Mars as the lesser malefic, we may not feel immediately drawn to offer devotion there, which is like fair enough. I mean, the malefics, um, Saturn being the greater and Mars being the lesser, are considered like pretty intense planets. And they teach us about character and strength and honor. And honestly, like it's true, they just kind of make things hard. You know, they just, they seem to be about hard lessons. Um, But I think since I am a Scorpio, uh, I've identified with that since I was a kid, I just kind of get Mars. And I think also as part of my own self-acceptance and self-love practice, even as part of my personal deconditioning from patriarchy, I find it helpful to focus on what I appreciate about in myself that is martial. So many people will use the term Martian uh, to describe aspects of Mars, but um, occultists very often use the word martial. I, I think, I don't know, if you think about it, it's like Martian is kind of like you come from the planet, um, which I mean, I guess that fits too. Anyway, I use the word martial 
when I'm talking about uh, things that are Mars-like. So anyway, back to the patriarchy part. What, what I mean is like patriarchy doesn't reward strength in women unless it's like about enduring pain. And even then, like it hardly recognizes and certainly doesn't care about women's pain. Um, and basically like becoming more patriarchal is the way for women to succeed in patriarchally dominated domains. Um, or we're encouraged to like diminish our strength in order to not draw the ire of men and then become a target. So it's, it's just, it can just really be no win, right? But the fact is, I am a self-assured, ambitious, strategic, assertive, vocal, at times very warrior-like woman. And in both male-dominated and female-dominated environments, my presence is often just kind of unwelcome or perceived as threatening because of those qualities I just named. And so my relationship with Mars helps me heal the shame I can sometimes feel around my boldness, my brashness, my bull in China shopness, you know, my unflinching leadership or my like kind of courage in battle kind of qualities. Um, I can be both those things and also embarrassed of them and feel like it makes me, I don't know, unattractive. I don't really use the word feminine very much, but like unfeminine, unpalatable. Anyway, I'm getting a bit ahead of myself here. <laughs> Let's just begin with a basic introduction to the planet Mars. So as I said, on Tuesdays, we worship Mars. Mars is the planet associated with strength, victory, personal will and willpower and, and personal power, pure raw life force energy. Some might word, uh, use the word virility. And certainly Mars rules over capacity for intercourse, but also etymologically the root vir, V-I-R, is related to the idea of hero. So I think of virility as encompassing also the hero or shiro or thero archetype. Uh, Mars is really strongly associated with warriorship and militarism and just like war and conflict itself. Um, but let's, let's start, we'll just stay focused on the positive aspects for now or the more appealing aspects, empowering aspects. So Mars can help us to initiate so anything we want to get off the ground, like starting things and also follow through, um, creating change, triumph, you know, victory, especially in competition, anytime we need energy or drive or motivation, if we want to overcome an obstacle, if we want energy for exercise, physical health, athleticism, all of that is related to Mars. Mars also rules surgery. So if we are in a pre-surgical prep time, we can call on Mars for favor. Um, the extreme heat required for certain kinds of transformation, like ironworking and blacksmithery, that sort of thing, um, that's martial. Anytime we're provoking motion, that has Mars energy. So Mars is the patron of 
barbers and surgeons and physicians and butchers. So anyone who uses a blade, anyone who severs, anyone who cuts things open and kind of gets to the, you know, um, deeper aspects of something. Um, and anyone who transforms in that way, like bakers, um, anybody who's working with fire, um, uh, firefighters, fire keepers, uh, the, these are all under the purview of Mars. But I mean, in saying that we can already sense the danger of Mars, right? Like when out of balance, Mars leads us into some really tough terrain, right? Mars is about severance, separation, banishment, estrangement, breakup, you know, exile, um, anger, inflammation. Mars is about wounds, woundedness, inflicting harm and being harmed. So when Mars is asserting themselves, there is carnage, you know, when Mars is pressing on you, there's like a sharpness and you have to be careful with your energy or you're going to cut yourself or someone else. And at the same time, through Mars, we become honed. So we get sharper because of this highly impactful lived experience that imprints itself on the body, sometimes even scars us. So my dear friend and fellow Scorpio, Therese Couture, and I were having a conversation about Mars, and I want to quote her now. She said, Mars is our protector and will show us things we don't want to see. Like, so succinct, truer words were never said. I mean, like, we'll go through, let's say, like a really difficult conflict. And through that, we can come to realize stuff about ourselves and about others that actually we really didn't want to know. Like, I actually really didn't want to see that. That was ugly. But Mars is like, well, that's what we call a teachable moment. You know, like Mars is fiery. So you learn through the fire of experience and it often really sucks and it often really hurts. So here's the thing about planetary magic. Okay, this is like a little bit of a sidebar or just like a context kind of note. If you want to become a strong magician, like in order to become really proficient, you have to learn how to work with the planet that rules that situation. Now, when you're first starting out and you come up against like big martial energy in your life, it's totally fine to like run to Venus and ask for help to smooth over a situation or run to Saturn, who's friendly to Mars and ask them to intercede on your behalf. Or you might run to Jupiter, who's unfriendly to Mars, but also greater than Mars. And you might ask Jupiter for intervention and favor. Like those things are totally fine to do. But as you become more experienced, you want to develop your own relationship with Mars and engage them to really understand what they're trying to teach you. In other words, we have to at some point not be afraid to engage with the malefics and um, recruit their powers in, in service of our better, you know, uh, our betterment and our own wisdom and illumination. So, you know, in terms of moving forward with this episode, like depending on your own preference or your circumstances right now, your own astrology, whatever you've got going on, 
you might just want to listen to this episode, but not begin practicing with Mars right away. Like, just start where it feels easy and intriguing and natural for you to start. But still, maybe listen, because this will be good information so you can recognize when Mars is afoot. <laughs> um, and if you're someone who's been into astrology for a while or who's into animism and magic, or, or maybe you have like strong Mars placements, then like feel no fear, you know? Like why not strike up a conversation with Mars and see if you can strengthen your relationship and develop a bond with them? Because when you're strongly bonded with Mars, they'll often help you overcome other areas of weakness or vulnerability because they're like such a hard worker. They just have such good stamina for like fighting the good fight and like in their best essence, their best expression, Mars is working towards peace or attainment of goals. And, um, you know, Mars and valor go hand in hand. So I also want to say, okay, so when I say, quote, strong Mars placement, I'm, I'm saying that in a like fairly loose way, like in a very non-professional way, because as I said, I'm not an astrologer. Um, but what I mean is like, for instance, I actually don't have what's considered a strong Mars placement in my birth chart. My Mars is in Cancer in the fifth house. So that's actually considered in its detriment or in its fall. Like Mars is like in its fall. It's not in a good, strong spot. So Mars in Cancer is like, here's, okay, I'm going to express it just for me. It's very sensitive to humiliation in relationships. And that sort of goes against Mars's usual kind of ease and like shameless self-love and shamelessness in general. Like they're, they're not usually prone to humiliation, you know, like they're, they're kind of the opposite. Um, Mars and Cancer can also be pretty griefy about relationships, even kind of despairing in a sense. Like they, they, cause they, really Mars has a strong need to like do things right and be competent. And so when they feel like they like can't get stuff right, um, they can move into doubt. Like they'll never be able to get relationships right, which again kind of goes against their general sense of competence and empowerment. So my Mars and Cancer can tend to overcompensate by like really, really, really working hard, like just pushing through all kinds of like limits and fatigue, just trying to like work, work, work to get good at relationship or get good in the domestic realm, um, everything to do with cancer and emotions. And so, so that can create this dynamic where like a Mars cancer person can suddenly kind of flip a switch and be like, wow, so this isn't working. And then they withdraw into their little crab shell house. And it's like super hard to get through that shell, that armor. And you like don't get a lot of chances with Mars and cancer people. So from the outside, looking at that, it can seem a bit erratic, right? Because it's like the person in relationship with them is like, what, what do you mean we're done? I thought we were working on this and we were making progress. But like the Mars and cancer person is actually all along feeling like no real progress, feeling like shit about themselves. They're trying to like suppress their own feelings so they can just fix a situation and things get pent up and then just like explode, right? Where are my Mars and Cancer people at? <laughs> Do you feel me? 
Um, this is why like astrology can be really helpful. You can become more aware of this and be like, oh, this is my tendency. I really have to work hard to um, draw on other strengths. And this is, again, Mars will like fucking like, there'll be carnage. And Mars is like, well, that'll learn you, you know? <laughs> so it's learning lessons the hard way. Anyway, okay, actually, before I move on, I do want to say there's always the light side of things too, right? There's always strengths to it. So like that said, Mars and Cancer people are like very protective of their beloveds and their home. And they're like fearless when it comes to conflict on behalf of those they love. So they're very good as like, kind of like bodyguards. <laughs> they're like fiercely protective of their loved ones. Um, so, you know, even though they can kind of like steamroll people <laughs> with their nurturance and love at times, um, like really go hard or go home on the emotional level. They're also just very loyal and like have a big capacity for like a filial type of love and affiliation. And they just, they can place a really big emphasis on the home. And like for me, like cooking and kind of showy entertaining, like that kind of fits with the Mars and Cancer vibe. Um, it's just unfortunate that Mars and Cancer kind of has this like the best offense is a defense kind of um like warring attitude <laughs> and I just I think it just plays into my old avoidant tendencies which is like not great anyway I am Scorpio so I have a natural affinity to all things Marshall and if you listen to the episode on the sun with Eliza Robertson she talked about the three books of occult philosophy by Agrippa and um I think it's book two of that uh, one of those books says that people with Saturn or the sun or Mercury in the ninth house generally have an aptitude for magic. And I remember Eliza telling me that a couple years ago in a reading, she's like, well, you know, you should totally be doing remedial magic for this kind of, um, area of weakness in your chart. And because you have the sun in the ninth house, you're kind of a natural magician. So I do have that going for me. And I think that makes me like more confident about working with Mars. So like, that's another thing you could uh, pull up your chart and see if you have the sun or um, Saturn or Mercury in the ninth house. And maybe that'll give you a confidence boost as a sign to be like, you know what, go ahead, try it out. Try, try get, making, getting friendly with Mars. <laughs> so for me, working with Mars is about reclaiming power and not being ashamed to be a powerful person while also continually learning about how to hold and wield power in a good way, in a fair way, in a way that's empowering for others. So like, again, Therese had this great image of someone holding like a very big, heavy, sharp sword. And if you're the person holding it, you don't really notice how intimidating it is or how long or sharp it is necessarily because you've got it firmly by the handle, but others are on the receiving end. And like, all you really have to do is just like vaguely gesture in their direction and it can provoke a threat response. So you have to be aware of what's in your hands and like tracking where everybody is in, in proximity to that. And what it's like to be on the receiving end. It's really a journey of self-awareness. It's not about making yourself smaller, 
Though there are definitely times when we need to be aware of our power and our privilege, and we definitely need to cede some space, especially if we're white-bodied. We need to take up less time and energy and attention. But even then, it's still about doing it in a collaborative way where you're still present, you know? It's like an attitude of like, I'm right here if you need me, but I can say you don't really need me right now. You've totally got this. And like saying to yourself, I do not have to enter this fray. I do not have to lead this charge. I do not need to control or push or shape this outcome in any way. I can just be here when needed and when called upon. Other times working with Mars is like, it's about encouraging our inner wild child to come out and play and like get a bit dirty and bruised and mess shit up a bit and not worry about that, you know, like feel the fear and do it anyway, you know? So I've created a talisman that I often use on Tuesdays and I can't remember exactly what was happening with Mars when I created it, but it actually might've been like a Mars in Cancer. Anyway, you would, if you want to make a talisman, you choose an auspicious time where you are harnessing the energy of the planet or the hour, etc. So I made this talisman on a Tuesday that was an auspicious day for Mars astrologically. And it's this healing doll. I named her Marcy, like Mars, which I think is cute. And inside her little soft body, she has a note enfolded. And that note is a letter of permission to just be free like I was when I was a kid. When I was little, I used to play for hours and hours in the forest pretending I was either Han Solo or Princess Leia or Luke Skywalker. Actually, if I was a kid now and she was called General Leia, that that would have been just the perfect thing. That's like so martial <laughs> to me. Anyway, I put Marcy on my altar on Tuesdays. Not every Tuesday is she there, but very often. And I'll feed her chocolate and I'll place little heart-shaped things around her on the altar. Other offerings I'll make to Mars um, are like aromatherapy. I usually use like a drop of wormwood or benzoin or sometimes cinnamon because I have a cinnamon oil. I actually like to just use spices. And so I have like little spice spoons and I'll put like a kind of like a miniature version of a of a pile of cinnamon. You know those images you see of, you know, markets in the Swana region um, where they have spices in these colorful baskets and they're like perfect kind of um, pyramids or like piles that go up to a peak. I do that like in miniature. So it's like abundance, but in, on like a tiny scale. <laughs> um, sometimes I'll place like a whole bulb of garlic on my altar because all the allium family is martial. Sometimes I offer nettle tea because um, anything with like thorns or anything spiky or anything that could like cause a rash or swelling is martial as well. And nettles are also very connected to my Scottish Gaelic lineage. So I see that as an expression of strength. And although in the tarot, it's the emperor or the tower card of the major arcana that are usually associated with Mars, um, I actually have a deck that features the god Ares, so um, the Roman correlate to Mars, as the chariot card. 
And so I often use that card on my altar on Tuesdays um, because it just so exemplifies like that rare and to go kind of energy that Mars has. Sometimes I also just write a word, um, like I'll, I'll write the sigil for Mars or I'll write the word valor on a piece of paper to signify that I would like the best parts of Mars to come forth. Um, valor was the uh, another name for uh, a war goddess who um, was also sometimes called Harmonia. And um, Harmonia was more the facet that's um, the embodiment of agreement. But the idea is that Mars is at its best when it's working hard for peace and harmony. And the, those like sort of the, the strength of Mars works best when paired with the virtue of valor. Mars is like definitely also about passion. So anything that's like hot and spicy and frisky, that's appropriate as propitiation. So like, you know, tomatoes, chili peppers, um, you know, if you have dark chocolate with hot spice in it or, or that sort of thing, but also like things that would bleed out on you, like raspberries. Um, also like passionate, hot sex, right? <laughs> sex, 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 sex. <laughs> That's a, my shout out to instant Canadiana classic show, Letter Kenny. That joke is more funny if you know Letter Kenny, but basically, yeah, Mars, butt stuff, butt stuff, butt stuff, butt stuff. Anyway, anything you do with passion and verve and gusto is martial. Also, strong libations. So like a shot of bourbon or fireball, sweet sipping cinnamon whiskey. Um, I think that's like an ideal offering to Mars, um, in my opinion anyway, because Mars likes anything that's like bitter or sharp or burning. Um, but I think, again, if you can just like put a little bit of sweetener in there, you know, spoonful of sugar helps medicine go down. It's like a nice way to temper um, Mars's fiery nature. So fireball for sure. You can also put stuff on your altar, um, anything like made of iron. If you have like maybe vintage or antique iron nails, that would be perfect. Anything that kind of signifies like blacksmithery, um, stones like garnet and carnelian, um, red and yellow jaspers, um, the ancients also connected Mars with the woodpecker, and I'm lucky to have some really um, beautiful, fiery orange-colored um, northern flicker feathers, um, so that goes really well. Um, also, wolf and goose, um, the dog, the stag, male goats, you know, again, that kind of virility thing. Um, there's also an interesting thing with uh, horses. So Mars definitely, uh, because horses would be used with like chariots and, um, races, you know, anything that demonstrated, uh, competency and strength, but there was this special sacrifice performed mid-October in ancient Rome, which denoted the end of harvest and of military action. So that it kind of linked war and agriculture, war and agriculture, those seasons like March, Mars's month to October, um, 
those two aspects of life were connected. And, and so Mars gets sort of brought up with agricultural rights. And in October, this was like the only time that Romans really sacrificed horses. Um, and then there would be like this big fight to see which part of town, <laughs> like which um, of the different neighborhoods would get the honor of having the head of the horse. So it all sounds like pretty gross. Um, it's not like the part of Mars and horse that I, I tend to want to connect, but I think it does say something about how revered the horse was. Normally the Romans would just sacrifice like normal everyday domestic animals. Um, so when they did something where it was like a very special revered animal, um, they would only do that for a god that was um, to them, you know, fearsome and important. Uh, so also though, interesting related to Mars is like any nuisance insect. <laughs> so like fleas, mosquitoes, black flies, all of those things are also connected with Mars. And I think it gets to that like tenacity, <laughs> you know? Um, all birds of prey, all carrion eaters, um, those are Martian, Marshall, so vultures uh, particularly, but also eagles, um, plus ones like kestrels, um, kites, and any bird that like emits strange sounds, um, you know, that, that kind of show that they are beyond just being a bird. So like ravens and crows, those are connected to Mars. And from the sea, it's like stingrays and mullets and pikes. So those are, you know, are pikes, those are, those are from lakes, aren't they? Anyway, I don't know that much about fishing, but that might be relevant to you. Other symbols could be like helmets, spears, armor, chariots, um, the laurel garland. Mars in different uh, centuries was connected with like, yeah, warring for peace. So there would be like the peace garland of the laurel, um, which would sort of signify like vict victory leading to peace. Um, also nakedness, because nakedness denotes fearlessness and that shamelessness that Mars is so proud of. Um, any kind of movement you do that's around like leaping, stepping, high stepping, marching, that could be um, very honoring to Mars. Um, and again, like frisky sexual activity. Um, I'll talk about cutting and severance, I think, closer to the end. So what does my daily spiritual practice look like? So my practice, I used to try to practice in the morning and now I just find I can't practice then because my brain, that's when my brain is like sharpest and I need to apply those skills to writing and admin and communication and strategy and organizing. I, I, I can't do my spiritual practice first thing in the morning because I, I need to like harness my best cognitive capacities. So I wait until later in the day and ideally, if I can, I check the planetary hours and you can just go to planetaryhours.net to see for your location um, what time of day uh, the different planets are ruling over. So there's different hours and it shifts through the week. 
And so I, if I can, I'll plan to visit my main altar during one of the time periods, one of the hours of the planet that rules that day. And so what I do when I visit my altar is I switch out the tarot card that overlights the altar for a card that is associated with that day's planetary ruler. So I very specifically pull out usually a major arcana, but sometimes a minor, sometimes a pip. Uh, depends on what's kind of what I see on my Chani app or like what's happening astrologically. But I put a tarot card there as a visual rep representation of a deity or of um, the planet um, for the day. And then I switch out the items on the altar. So that means I might be composting some food that was there from the day before, or I'm taking, you know, a symbolic item back to my apothecary office uh, area in the office. Um, and then I replace it with symbols or, um, yeah, whatever I feel inspired to put on the day as my offering. Um, and then I'll add a drop of essential oil that corresponds to that planet and just turn on my diffuser for a few moments while I recite a prayer or an Orphic hymn. And for Mars, I'll definitely light a candle because Mars is so much about fire. Um, so I'll sometimes say a prayer just extemporaneously from my heart. Sometimes I'll read an Orphic hymn for my grimoire. We'll learn more about uh, that from um, Kristen Mathis on Friday, what the Orphic hymns are. Um, Sometimes I use incense that I've made, or if it's a particularly special day, or if I'm asking for something, um, then I'll use an incense that I've purchased from Sphere and Sundry, which we keep talking about them. They are not um, sponsoring. This is not an ad. I just really love them, uh, what um, Caitlin Coppock's doing there. They are purveyors of materia magica, talismanic items for your magical practice. And so I tend to go for the um, um, sometimes tinctures, but usually an incense blend. On that note, I, I will say I'm, I'm actually not usually asking for something. Certainly very rarely am I asking for anything from Mars. When I come to the altar every day, I arrive in a very devotional stance with the intention to just offer my praise and my worship as an act of respect for that planet. Um, so I only really ask for things when something unusual is happening either in my life or astrologically and either for better or for worse. Um, sometimes I want to take advantage of like a Kazemi moment and sometimes I want some additional grace or blessings in a particularly difficult transit. But nine times out of 10, I'm arriving just saying basically like in different words sometimes, but, but sometimes just these words, like, I love you. Thank you. I love you. And I recognize your power and the many gifts you've given me already. Thank you. I love you. I'm your humble servant. How can I love you better? And, and then after my prayer or my praise, then I'm just listening. And then after that, I, after just like a couple moments of listening, I pick up my many moons journal created by the wonderful and amazing Sarah Faith Godestiner. If you haven't heard my episode on her show, Moonbeaming, I hope you'll go find it. I just, I really love that she is brave enough to host 
conversation about collapse on our show. And I think we pulled it off without pulling people down, if you know what I mean. Anyway, so I take my many moons journal and then I turn towards my two daily pull decks. So I have like a little vintage tray and on it, I keep my pagan other worlds tarot and I keep an Oracle deck um, designed by Jessica Rue called Woodland Wardens. And I just pause, I take a few breaths and then I kind of widen my appeal. So I go beyond the planet of the day and I'm addressing, I guess what I would call like the great cosmic mother. And I say something like, great spirit, mother creator, thank you for safe passage through the night and through this day for myself and those I love. I'm open to your guidance and your will. What would you like me to be aware of now? Or sometimes I'll say, I would like to call my next set of life instructions to me now. And then I pull a tarot card and pretty immediately I say, thank you. And what will help me integrate this knowledge? And I pull an Oracle card and then I study the cards. So first I just jot down on um, that day in my many moons journal. I just, I jot down what the cards are, my initial observations, any intuitive hits, what I think they're about. And then right beside my tray with my decks, I keep Benabel Wen's incredible and indispensable reference book, Holistic Tarot. It's this huge, thick, awesome reference book. And I study the card description uh, page, even though, you know, I've been working with this book for years. I've been working with tarot for years, been teaching tarot for years. I never get tired of reading her descriptions of the cards. Um, and she just has so many linkages. I just, it's just a great refresher every day. Um, and I study the affirmations and I note those in my many moons journal. And I find these two decks work very well together. Like consistently, the, the cards are talking to each other. So the Woodland Wardens deck, um, each card portrays an animal and a plant with a joint message for you. And I just find they sync up really perfectly with my tarot draws. So the animist in me just loves how they work together. It's just, it's such a great way to bring more animism into my tarot practice. And that's my main spiritual practice and has been for a couple years. Um, I used to put a much greater focus on um, uh, first meditation and then trance work. Uh, but over time, I've just found I can, I can have like almost mini trance journeys just in, you know, a minute or two of listening. So... Um, yeah, so this has been my main spiritual practice for a couple of years. First, it was, you know, a bit inconsistently for sure. But now, like since the latter half of 2022, just before my book came out, I've been quite consistent. Like I barely missed a day until June when I chose not to take my cards with me when I led Wilderness Quest. Um, that said, even when I was away um, for those three weeks, every day that I knew which day it was, I did still pray to the planet of the day. And certainly every day I greeted the sun and the moon, whether I could see them directly or not. So let's turn to the final question of this podcast, which of course is always the one that seeks wisdom and experience around grief and rage. So I think with Mars, it's obvious how they can support us with rage. Just like get it out of your body. 
Mars is so boldly in the body uh, and can carry so much rage, I think you got to get it out. You have to express it. So find a safe way to scream, punch, kick, hit, you know, play music really loud, dance hard. Just, just, yeah, Mars is just very embodied and very fiery. So anything to do with um, burning rituals is very Mars. Mars is also about blades and scissors and severance. <clears throat> so cutting your hair, tearing your clothes, um, using shovels to dig before you bury something, that all involves Mars. I'm not going to talk too much about ritual scarification or self-injury. But I mean, I guess, I suppose it's worth saying, like those two things illustrate the difference. I think this is just me. And this, I say this with like such love and resonance and compassion, um, no judgment. <clears throat> but I think thinking about the difference between ritual scarification and self-harm, self-injury, illustrates the difference between like a well-balanced Mars and one that's struggling. Like if you have witnesses and aftercare and ceremony and like hygiene and all that stuff around it, cutting your skin could be a really beautiful Mars initiatory rite. But I think if you're alone and pent up and feeling out of control um, or are trying to like get bad feelings out of your body by inflicting pain on yourself, which again, full disclosure, I totally get. Like Mars and Cancer is very self-harmy. So I get the impulse to want to hurt yourself because you don't want to hurt others, but you're so frustrated. Um, I just, I just think it's not a very refined application of Mars energy. But hey, we're all just doing the best we can with what we've got. And I'm sure if you had other options, you would use them. And if you feel like this is the option that feels best to you, I guess I would just say like, be careful, you know, be safe, be good to yourself, you know, and talk to someone so you're not shrouded in shame, okay? Like Mars isn't meant to be solo. Mars really is not good in isolation. They like being part of something greater than themselves. So find your something greater. Find your people. Find your movement. Find, find your cause. Just don't be alone in your rage and try not to turn it on yourself or other individuals. Try to turn it on the systems and the structures that cause harm. When it comes to grief, um, I'd say like, okay, that's where Mars can help us find the stamina for it because grief is so um, enduring, yeah, tenacious, um, surprisingly long-lived, you know? And although Mars can be really impulsive and quick acting, it can actually also just help us a lot with finding the will to just put one foot in front of the other. Mars can actually really help us with baby steps. 
you know? So you can appeal to Mars if grief has you so knocked over, you can't do your laundry and you have no clean underwear left, you know? You, you can ask for strength from Mars. You can ask for energy from Mars. You can ask for willpower from Mars. So when grief has you like really sunk and feeling underwater or in a prolonged freeze response in your nervous system, ask Mars to ignite your inner fire. You know, ask Mars to remind you what you're made of and what you really care about and to help you extend yourself and reach for help or take the next impossible step that's just a baby step that you can take, you know? And if you're overwhelmed with fear or worry that you'll never get out of this depression, ask Mars for courage. Ask Mars for transformation. Ask Mars to kindle your spirit again. And that's all I have to say about that, I guess. So if you want more guidance on planetary magic and propitiation, of course, I hope you keep tuning into the seven-part series. Uh, and also check out the Numinous Network. I've been teaching online about magic, intuition, witchcraft, and the Wheel of the Year at least twice a month, pretty much every month since 2014. Many of the classes are archived and available on demand. Plus, there's like multiple opportunities in the network and different live events to ask questions and receive guidance to help you develop your own personal, self-directed, earth-honoring spiritual practice. This month, I'm sharing a spreadsheet that I made for my own personal grimoire. It's highlighting all of the planets and their associated deities, animals, plants, foods, metal stones, all the symbols. And that's just one tiny little thing included in your monthly membership in the Numinous Network. So you can learn more at my website, carmenspaniola.com. My listener shout out today goes to Marlena. Marlena left the sweetest review of The Spirited Kitchen on Goodreads. Thank you so much, Marlena. I'm going to edit a little bit for brevity, just like so I don't sound too braggadocious, but Marlena was so kind and gave it five stars, and some of what she said was this. This book feels like a beautiful and thoughtful gift I have given to my own spirit. <laughs> Every time I feel a need to regroup from my busy life and reconnect, this book reminds me of who I really am. <laughs> Okay, this is the best. Okay, and what really matters? Beautiful, delicious, soul-nurturing food, connection to nature and the sacred, sharing time with loved ones, celebrating the rich histories and cultures of my ancestors. I just love it. And then at the end, she says, this book is a gift that keeps giving to my heart and one that I plan to give to my other soul sisters as well. I know they will cherish it as much as I do. Marlena... It really means a lot to me, all your words. I feel very seen and appreciated, and I especially love the image of you gathering up your littles, your, your kiddos, and hanging cluties on the tree with them. And I'm going to hang a clutie on my tree for you and your little family because that image really touches me. I just, I do, I get really emotional when I think about, like, little kids and young adults learning from my book, so... Yeah, so thank you for sharing that with me and with everyone who might be curious about my book, who goes on Goodreads. So thank you, thank you, thank you. 
Okay, friends, the Numinous Network is where we cross-pollinate all these concepts from spirituality, attachment theory, polyvagal theory, trauma recovery, social justice, collapse awareness. It all comes together in this ecosystem of support for your personal growth. And this summer, we're giving extra attention to planets and plant magic. Come hang out with us for a little bit. Check us out at CarmenSpaniola.com. C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A. Until next time, take care.